Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Safety and Health Podcast by SHP. I'm your host, Ian Hart, and I'm the editor of SHP. The last two years have been challenging, to say the least, for most sectors, but the event industry has been particularly badly affected. That's going to be the focus of this episode as we move back to more regular face-to-face events in the UK. We're going to hear the perspective of a venue, London XL Arena, and of an events business, Informer Markets, about how both sides will work together with government to ensure that trade shows, exhibitions, and other face-to-face events can go ahead safely in a post-pandemic world. Let's start the episode by hearing from Anna Clover, Executive Director of Event Management and Guest Experience at XL London. XL London opened in November 2000 in an area of huge regeneration in London's historic Royal Docks. The venue hosts over 400 events each year, welcoming 40,000 exhibiting companies and over 4 million people from across the globe. Events hosted at XL are responsible for delivering 4.5 billion in economic impact in London, supporting 37,600 jobs and delivering 25% of London's inbound business tourists. In 2012, it was one of the host venues for London's Olympic Games and in 2020 became NHS Nightingale, a temporary hospital in the national fight against coronavirus. I wanted to ask Anna about how her role has changed over the last couple of years and how Excel has had to adapt to running events post-pandemic. My role at Excel is Exec Director for Event Management and Guest Experience, and that incorporates every aspect, every touch point that the customer will come into contact with any of the team on Excel. So it's quite a broad range of responsibilities, but basically encapsulates all event management responsibilities and operational service deliverables. As a venue, it's been a challenging time for the last couple of years with events not being able to take place. So what challenges have you faced as a venue, as a team, and how have you overcome them during the pandemic? The challenges we faced as a team for the last two years are really in and around the ever-evolving change in guidance. I think we all went back to 18 months ago when we thought we were going to reopen in October 2020, and then 11th hour, the government changed the rules and we weren't reopening. So For us, it made us more dynamic in our decision making, more flexible, more adaptable and changing at pace. Because as we know, the COVID rules and regulations, not just here in the UK, but across the globe have changed almost day by day at at certain points in this pandemic. And we've overcome that as a team. It's pulled us together more closely as a team, working hand in glove with our commercial team, our operational team and all of our event organisers in the exhibition world and the conference and event world and supporting them and informing them of the changes and how we viewed those and the decisions we were making and bringing them along on that journey. And I guess one of the biggest changes, obviously, you pivoted into being a Nightingale Hospital during the, the peak of the pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about how that came about and, and how you how you turn an exhibition hall into a, into a hospital? It was hugely a moment in our history we'll be immensely proud of because as an industry to be involved in the forefront of a national response to something uh, as global as the COVID pandemic is something we should all be proud of as an industry and many of our venues in the UK followed suit the NEC Manchester Central and we work closely with them to share our experiences I would say it was like running an event except we were working with National Health as opposed to working with Informal or any other organisation and supported them on delivering that and the best way to achieve what they were aiming to achieve supported them 
by providing us with our staffing that were available, with our experience and knowledge and understanding of how our building works and how we operate in the local community. You talked a little bit about shared experiences and, and how closely did you work with some of the big exhibition organisers and, and, you know, you talked about other venues around the UK there uh, and the government to, to ensure that you could get back to a place where events could be running as soon as it was safe to do so. So for events to return safely was high priority for myself and my colleagues at Excel, but across the entire industry. We met weekly as an industry through the AEV, we work closely with the Association of Event Organisers as well to develop the All Secure Standards, which became the backbone of all venues and all organisers' plans to reopen safely. And it gave everybody that confidence that we were all on the same page, that we were all in it together. And I think that was what really came out of it for me. It was the first time in my career where I felt as an industry, we really all pulled together from service partners to venues to organisers to really get events back to feel safe and secure. And through our ongoing associations with AV, AEO, and even the Meeting Industry Association and other associations that we don't normally work alongside, really working alongside government and ensuring that they understood and we fed back every step of the way when they were looking to change guidance or legislation and they gave them the knowledge and the experience that we have on the impact their decisions would make. So I know it sounds really cheesy, but it really felt like we were all in it together. We were all working in the same direction. Ultimately, every venue is different and everyone has very different challenges to ensure that we all be open safely. But we worked tirelessly together. I would say there were days where I was driving home and I had three different key venues on a call whilst I'm driving, whilst we were talking about the announcement Boris had made literally 20 minutes before and how that was going to impact and how we wanted to make sure we were on the same page with our communications and how we worked together with the likes of Informer moving forward to make sure that visitor, that exhibitor felt safe when they arrived at our front doors. You talk there about every venue being different, but I guess every one of your customers is different as well in terms of their resource and their and their requirements. You mentioned Informa, they inform a, a huge company, a lot of resource, but I imagine you must have smaller events companies. Were they relying on you for information to kind of go, what's the latest guidance? How should we proceed? Were they relying on you to help them along that path? Yes, because some of them are not part of the bigger association. So I would personally have one-to-one calls like this. It's very hard to do it via Teams, but you kind of got used to it and answered the questions the best I could and advised them with all the knowledge and experience I'd gathered over that point and where I'd seen it happen in other venues and sharing that experience as well and pointed them in direction so they'd see the other shows that were opening before them, what was happening. And through this period, Excel, we're very proud of the fact that we managed that whole COVID reopening safe and secure protocols ourselves. We put a team in place. We managed that cost effectively ourselves so that we were playing that part in reopening events from September through till December. Because as I said earlier, we're all in it together and we wanted to demonstrate that we were sharing that cost a lot of additional cost to run in events from September last year. Lots of additional pressures, not just on cost, but on resource as well. So we felt quite strongly that it was our responsibility to support the industry where we could to do that. 
And as we start to come back to more regularity of face-to-face events, what safety protocols can visitors expect when they arrive and are moving around the venue and and how do they differ to pre-pandemic? Well, pre-pandemic, nobody really wanted to see a cleaner. (laughs) Now, they're very visible. Every touch point is cleaned constantly. We dedicate staff to focus on certain areas of the shared space. We encourage our organisers to look at the cleaning regimes in hall. We provide easy access to cleaning materials for all exhibitors on stands if they wish to do it themselves. But we also offer a bespoke service that they can buy. We've installed technology to support on informing the cleaning teams that when a bathroom's been particularly busy, they're in there a lot quicker. They're not relying on a person standing at the door, that we've got technology there to support that. And we're flexing that in the needs of the client. So some clients still asking to have 100% COVID checks at the door. We can provide that some clients because now the um, guidance has changed that they want a very light touch approach. So we will flex it up and down depending on the client and the risk. Some clients, as you mentioned earlier, are very risk adverse and want to be seen to be doing absolutely everything and others are more relaxed. We still encourage people to wear face coverings wherever they feel that they need to. We are a busy venue. We would strongly encourage that. And there's a lot of shared space. So I myself personally still use public underground, public network. So we strongly recommend that moving forward. Other than that, I'd like to think they feel safe and secure when they arrive, that they're in a light, airy space. We've invested heavily in upgrading all our air ventilation. So there's a lot more fresh air rather than recirculated air. And as I said, invested heavily in our cleaning regime and our staffing and retrained and reskilled a lot of our cleaners. Have you made any physical changes to the venue? You talked about the technology and, and the ventilation and any other physical changes to the actual building itself? Those that have not been to the venue since pre-September last year, we've invested hugely in digital infrastructure in the public domain. So as you arrive, we've got brand new digital infrastructure in and around the entrance and then wayfinding and digital signage up and down the boulevard. So there'll be a huge impact. So gone are the days of the static signs with very old TV monitors. We've got huge 18-foot monitor as you walk through the door, LCD screens, and then that continues up through to the east end of the building alongside the digital and technology that we've put in and around the bathrooms. And then just finally, then what kind of feedback have you had from the visitors and and exhibitors from the events that you've run so far? Feedback from our visitors, exhibitors and everybody else that's visited since September last year. I'm glad to say it's been absolutely outstanding. Everyone's been pleased with the protocols we had in place. They felt safe and secure. We've run shows from Formula E to comic-con and then we finished the year with london international hall show which were nervous because they were moving from olympia to us we had nothing but positive feedback and myself and my team are out and about on the floor so we're getting it anecdotally as well as in written format as well so it's been great to see and we've had huge amount of positivity around our reopening and how we've managed that across the entire industry Anna touched on the all-secure standard, which we'll be hearing about later on in the episode. But first, after the break, we're going to hear about the challenges of the last two years from the perspective of an event director. 
after almost three years away, Safety and Health Expo is back in person for 2022, taking place from the 17th to the 19th of May at XL London, and registration has officially opened. I'm Ian Hart, editor of SHP, and I'm here to tell you why you should register for the UK's largest dedicated health and safety event. Safety and Health Expo is a chance for anyone with health, safety and well-being remit to source solutions across occupational health, well-being, PPE, site safety and more. It offers a unique access to leading suppliers as well as world-class education across the health and safety sector. As always, we're putting together a fabulous seminar programme with themes that will include the latest on safety culture, mental health, occupational health, accident investigations and prosecutions, legislation, driver safety, loan working and much, much more. I'm Chrissy Joslin, SHP's Assistant Editor, and I'm here to tell you why you should attend Safety and Health Expo 2022. Safety and Health Expo gives you the chance to learn. Curated for health and safety professionals by inspirational speakers, visit the most informative and educational seminars to stay on top of the very latest in legislation, industry standards and best practice. After so long without a physical event, take the opportunity to reconnect. Make up for lost time by learning and sharing with the safety and health community. The event also gives you the opportunity to find new solutions. Assess and source the perfect solutions for your business, including the newest workwear, behavioural safety programmes, safety harnesses, PPE, occupational health products, e-learning, training solutions and so much more. If that wasn't enough, attending Safety and Health Expo 2022 will also give you access to four other events, including FireX International, Intelligent Building Europe, Facility Show and IFSEC International, allowing you to connect with other key communities across fire safety, smart buildings, facilities management and security. Safety and Health Expo will be organised in accordance with Informer's All Secure Health and Safety Standard, as the world's leading event organiser, Informa has developed a detailed set of enhanced measures to provide the highest levels of hygiene and safety at its events, providing everyone with reassurance and confidence they are participating in a safe and controlled environment. When you join our event, you can expect to see that the health and safety is a priority and that a range of measures are in place to ensure everyone involved is able to enjoy a safe, hygienic, productive and high quality organised event experience. You can't afford to miss this chance to reconnect with the health and safety community, share expertise and explore solutions, all for free. To register for your ticket for the event, go to www.safety-health-expo.co.uk or click on the link in the episode description. Welcome back. In this section, we're going to hear from Chris Edwards, Event Director at Informer Markets and Gary Bucket, Technical Services Director at Informer Markets. Chris is in charge of Informer's Protection and Management series of events featuring Safety and Health Expo, FireX International, IFSEC International, Facilities Show and Intelligent Building Europe, which are all set to return from the 17th to the 19th of May 2022 at XL. Gary helps support Informer's physical events across the EMEA region, and he is going to talk in a little more depth about All Secure, which was mentioned earlier by Anna, and how Informer helped put the standard in place. Let's begin by discussing with Chris how Informer has kept in touch with its visitors and customers in the absence of face-to-face events. Hi everyone, I'm Chris Edwards. I'm Group Director at Informer Markets. Thank you, Chris. Welcome to the Safety and Health podcast. Um, I want to talk to you about the last couple of years and obviously the COVID pandemic. As an event director, how challenging has that couple of years been for you? It's all relative, right? And I, I think I have to bear in mind that this pandemic has obviously had an impact on some people that 
it's far more serious than you know having to postpone some events and, and and some of the challenges that we've been dealing with. But professionally, I think this is the biggest thing we've ever faced. You know, and I, and I say that as a as a group of individuals that have to have plans that can deal with everything from terrorist attacks to Icelandic volcanoes. I think the thing that we learnt with the pandemic after a sort of initial period of optimism that it might actually only last a few months once the reality of the situation actually hit home i think the reality is there was no plan and really it was just a case of getting through it it does feel somewhat that at the moment and i've been wrong about this before but it does feel like at the moment the horizons are brighter than they have been for quite a while and hopefully this is therefore something that we can start to look back on rather than uh, continuously dealing with it and just looking back on that for, for the moment, how has Safety and Health Expo managed to maintain contact with its audience in the absence of in-person events over the last couple of years? We're quite fortunate on Safety and Health Expo, obviously, that we have our sister media title, SHP, yourself and the team. I've done a great job in keeping in contact with that. And for example, in 2021, we had 614,000 people using the website through the pandemic. And Obviously, having a medium where you're not reliant on face-to-face just gives you that opportunity to keep in contact with people. COVID actually then really hit home about the importance of having that opportunity to speak to people because, for example, last year we had 24,000 people looking at the COVID hub. We had 14,000 people on the home working hub. You know, so this wasn't just health and safety content. As we would always expect to see lots of people using the in-court pages and the regular health and safety content that we provide, but it was up to the minute news and information that on the actual topics that were affecting people at the time that was really what was driving the traffic. As we return to in-person events, the show's obviously taking place at, at XL in London in May this year. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on behind the scenes to, to ensure that events can run safely in, in a post-pandemic era? Yeah, this is something actually we got onto quite quickly as an organisation and Informer obviously being quite a significant events organiser, actually the largest events organiser in the world. This was something that we had to really get right early on because whilst we've had challenges in actually putting events on, certainly in the West up until fairly recently, we were running shows in China from July 2020. So we had to have some pretty robust health and safety measures in place pretty early on. And we launched what was called the Informer All Secure program. It really can be broken down into three kind of main areas that we apply to all of our events, somewhat on a case-by-case and geographical basis. Informa All Secure. Ten key commitments. My name's Gary Bucket. I'm the Technical Services Director for Informa Markets. I'm a fellow of IISM and a grad IOSH, and I support physical events in the delivery to ensure they're safe across the EMEA region. All Secure has been a, a project that we put in place as a result of the pandemic to allow us to ensure that we can resume events in a safe way in accordance with local legislation to make sure that our clients are safe and feel confident in coming back to events. How was AllSecure developed and why was it so important that Informa worked in collaboration with other exhibition companies and government to get backing from the government in order to help ensure a swift and safe return to -to face-to-face events? It was important to make sure we got buy-in across all the organisers, all the venues and the government to demonstrate that we do have control measures in place to support large events controlled manner in a safe way. 
So making sure that everybody had buy-in and input on that ensured that we had complete control of what we were doing in our environment. You know, when it comes to Safety and Health Expo, you know, this will manifest itself at the show very simply through extra personal hygiene, hand sanitation stations, but also enhanced cleaning of the actual venue itself. So XL will actually be fogging the halls overnight to ensure that they are completely sanitized for the, uh, the, the, the next morning when the show opens. We also have physical distancing. Non-contact registration is a new thing where previously, I think a lot of people would have been used to collecting a badge on site. This will feel quite different this year and everything will be digital. I don't think any of us can probably predict what the social distancing requirements will be in May in the UK, but we've already amended our floor plans to have wider aisles so that people will be able to keep a safe distance from other visitors within the show. Uh, And the, the last area, which again, we're not quite sure quite what the climate will look like in the UK in May, but uh, protect and detect. And this is where, in some cases, we've advised the use of PPE, in some cases mandated the use of PPE. We've also had screening on the door before people actually come into the venue. And again, we're just waiting on a, uh, a steer from government to understand what that will need to look like in the UK this May. Let's rejoin the chat with Gary Bucket, talking a little about the 10 commitments that make up All Secure. It's been a journey and it's meant that we've had a lot more engagement and that's something that I've made sure the teams have been very focused on, you know, talking to the contractors, talking to the clients, making sure the sales teams and commercial teams understand um, why those safety protocols are there so that they can enhance that confidence in returning to an event where you're going to have people and allow that networking to take place. Confidence is really important, isn't it, particularly for some of the audiences that we deal with around Safety and Health Expo. You know, why is it so important that people can feel confident that they're going to present to an event and everything's been thought up beforehand? I think in the in the current climate, people have had uh, obviously been locked down and been told not to be in large environments uh, with lots of people. And obviously an uncontrolled environment in the street is very different to what we're providing in our event space and making sure that they're fully aware of the measures we've gone to to make sure they're safe and that they're going to leave safe and know that they've got our full support for the duration is very important. And what will visitors uh, just see at an all-secure event? How will it look different from perhaps events that they've been to in the past that we've run by Informer? I think for a visitor on the show day, I'm hoping that it won't be too different other than the fact that there may be some control measures in the way that they come in. There'll be a lot more communication and to help educate them on what is required when they come in, whether that be making sure there's extra wash stations so they've got the ability to wash their hands. Um, if they want to wear face masks, you know, have that available to them if that is their preference. In countries where it is mandatory, obviously, we'll be supporting that. So, you know, we work with the venues very closely to make sure we get the right balance in that host country. And I think it's very important that we share that information for our international travellers as much as our domestic. Where can people find out more about All Secure? How can they get further details on, on, on the, uh, the kind of commitments that we've talked about and find more information about it? On the informal website, we have All Secure sort of standard. And with the show website, you will also find the All Secure information on there specific to the show that they're attending. And in this case, you know, the P&M series, they can, uh, they'll find that on there. And marketing will be sharing that communication for the future. Great. And we'll also drop all those links in the, in the episode description so you can find those there. Gary, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for talking to us. Thanks. Back to Chris for this final part of the interview as we look ahead to Safety and Health Expo itself. 
Let's rejoin the chat after I ask Chris to talk through some of the highlights of this year's event. I think it's the networking opportunities. And again, this comes back to what we've not been able to do by and large for the last two years. In the centre of Safety and Health Expo, we run a very large area where there's seating for around 100 uh, to 120 people. And this is where we're running a lot of networking events for people to come and and meet their peers, like-minded peers. So, for example, we already have gatherings booked in there for Women in Health and Safety and for SHP's Rising Stars group. And we would welcome anybody who has a personal network, whether that's a special interest group within health and safety or or just, you know, a, a gathering of people to come together that want to meet like-minded professionals to reach out to us because that space is available. What can visitors expect from Safety Health Expo 2022? The first thing is, is just we're looking forward to welcoming people back. And I think Safety and Health Expo has traditionally been the biggest event on the health and safety calendar by volume of professionals in the hall and i think it would just feel great for health and safety professionals to be seeing their peers and obviously suppliers and just learning it's something that we've taken for granted for a long long time and actually what this has taught us it's not something that comes that easily one thing that we are doing this year which is different from previous years is very much joining up the series of events that we run so some people will be aware of the sister events that are co-located within XL that run at the same time. Some people actually won't be. And, and we know from looking at the registration and scanning data that we see on site, some people really do just visit Safety and Health Expo and, and don't cross over into the other events. But more and more, we're seeing that people's roles are broader than they previously were. And therefore, for example, something like fire safety and obviously with what we're seeing with reform to fire legislation will definitely be something to interest to a lot of the health and safety professionals coming to the show and fire x just over the boulevard will certainly be of interest but equally a lot of the health and safety content that we run in expo we know is of interest to the other audiences coming to the other show and probably more so than in previous years where compliance and certainly hygiene standards are more important than ever and something that's more important to a wider set of job roles that it previously was. Chris touched on the other co-located events there and we'll focus on FireX International in the final part of the show. You can find out much more about AllSecure and how it will be implemented on the Safety and Health Expo website and on the Informer website and I'll pop links to each of those in the episode description. I'm Chrissy Joslin, Assistant Editor for SHP and IFSEC Global. In this final part of the show, I'm joined by Jerry Dunphy, Event Director, Security and Fire at Informer Markets, to look ahead to FireX International and how the fire sector has changed since the event last took place in 2019. I began by asking Jerry what visitors can expect from the show this year after three years away. We haven't actually been around since 2019, so it's, it's great to be back, obviously. In terms of what's available, obviously, we've got the exhibitors, you know, they are considered to be the headline acts, you could say. So we've got already over 100 companies have committed. So we've got leading players, um, people such as CTEC and Kentech, ACO, Cheeky, Nitan, STI Europe. On the tech side, the attendees can expect to see, you know, a really rich range of suppliers. And also this year, for the first time, it's a brand new initiative, but we're bringing in on-site training into the mix so customers can actually book you know four to six hour sessions being provided by the likes of the FIA, TAFCOM training and CTEC and these will all be CPD rated courses 
where they can really, you know, catch up on things that they may have missed out on during the pandemic mm-hmm. or new areas they're looking to move into. But it's really giving them a, a really rich, compelling reason now to come to the show, including seeing the suppliers. So it's 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 really given them a rounded offering. We're also, we really want to make sure that the networking and coming together side and the entertainment bit is fully communicated to the audience. And we actually want the show to have like a festival feel. So we know people are really desperate to get back together again yeah. and see each other in that sort of context. So we're going to make sure that we ask the exhibitors in particular and the stakeholders if they're hosting any particular receptions or after hour events to let us know. And we can then build a schedule of what's going on and we can actually then communicate that back to the audience. So if you mix that in with the training, with the exhibition and this networking aspect, it gives people a full idea like an itinerary yeah. of what's going on. So hopefully they'll see that it's, um, it's a really great opportunity to come back together and just have some fun. We're welcoming back the Tall Buildings Fire Safety Conference, again, which it takes place away from the exhibition floor in the gallery suites. And we're in regular contact with Russ Timpson, who's the organiser. And the programme he's put together looks absolutely outstanding. And it's a really great compliment to the show. Talking about catching up on things that people might have missed, what are some of the key changes to occur in the fire sector over the last three years and how will these changes be explored at FireX? Yeah, it's been incredibly involved time, actually. I think, you know, we host our free-to-attend seminar sessions in the Expertise and Guidance Centre and we'll be looking to explain, you know, the impacts of things like the Building Safety Bill, which is coming through, and also how the Fire Safety Act has, has impacted on um on, on the actual sector um, and how it influence, you know, approaches to life safety measures and practices. And it's been a long time since we've been able to get everybody together again yeah. to gather this professional fire safety audience in one place. And, you know, we have a range of experts available from the FIA, from the ASFP, from the FPA, from BRE, LPCB and the Fire Sector Federation. You know, it's three days where expertise and guidance is a constant theme running throughout the show. The post-Grenfell environment is creating a culture where life safety is incredibly high on the national agenda yeah. and leading to significant changes in approaches to building safety and levels of competency and how construction products and methods are evaluated. The fire industry has always had these themes close to its heart and of what it creates. So it's been important that the building control sector and the government is now taking it seriously and more importantly, listening and acting. Mm. Regards to technology, there's been some rapid advances in connected devices and it's thrown up a huge number of opportunities for manufacturers and installers to fully provide integrated solutions for the customers and with this opportunity there's great responsibility and we'll be exploring the world of iot devices within fire safety for the first time and the fia has actually created an fia iot forum which will create an objective discussion around this subject and we've seen how the impact of connected devices creates certain challenges which needs to be properly addressed so we'll approach this with our partners at the FIA to provide a rigorous assessment and educational opportunities at FireX. And some of our listeners might not know, but FireX International has taken the decision this year to fully commit to supporting and promoting third-party approvals. Why was that such a crucial move for FireX and what factors contributed to that decision being made? I think it's, there's been a noticeable progression towards improvements in competency, specification of approved building materials. And this will be the overriding theme of FireX moving forward. And we've taken this decision in consultation with our partners at the FIA and the ASFP to sort of insist that all the exhibiting companies now have a recognised third-party approval across their products and services. And both the FIA and the ASFP, for example, have third-party accreditation as a condition of membership. So it's relatively straightforward for us to align with their requirements. And as we're seeing post-Grenfell in terms of developments, there will be a focus on building materials and life safety systems. 
for example, you know, the introduction of the building safety regulator is, is key to this. Mm. So we've designed the event with this important progression in mind because we fully concur that life safety isn't something you can compromise. Yeah. So it's a minimum requirement to make sure the products on offer perform to the levels expected and against the correct standards. And we really want to create an environment where the customers can feel assured that they're coming into a place where competency and approvals are guaranteed. Mm. And it's the minute they cross the threshold, you know, the whole vibe of the show is around products doing what they say on the tin basically yeah. industry partnerships are obviously extremely important at events like this and you've mentioned quite a few already how important is firex's partnership with the fire industry association yeah it's very important we've been partners with the fia for over 25 years and they're an incredibly important endorsement really and approval for the show because you know they've got an ever-growing membership of manufacturers and installers and it's important because the FIA's voice is very loud and clear mm. across a huge range of areas, you know, and they help us design and create the overall proposition for the show because, you know, we can just follow in, in their wake in a way. Yeah. And the relationship provides us with access to the industry, which is obviously important for us as, as show organisers. And we continually meet with them to understand where they're going and provide incentives and updates about FireX, which, you know, effectively FireX is almost owned by the industry. It's been their show for a number of years and we kind of just curate it for them. And the FIA's on hand really provides us with insight and endorsement for the directions we take. You know, we'll continually support the FIA. We, you know, we have, we're pleased to invest in their research and training programs. Um, so yeah, it's been a very effective and symbiotic relationship, really. And Ian Moore and the team have become, you know, really friends of the show. We both strive to grow and develop as organizations, and we've got a common goal, really, which is the promotion of best practice, competency, and approvals in life safety. So we're very excited to be working with them on things like the IoT Forum, which, you know, is going to be game changing, particularly for this industry. So and we're happy to provide them with a platform ready to address the wider audience and help spread the findings across this new area. Yeah. And for safety and health practitioners who've never attended FireX before, why should they make 2022 the year that they secure a place at the event? It's been really apparent, more apparent than ever, actually, that once again, post-Grenfell, that the two worlds are definitely overlapping. And the obvious indicator for this, from our sort of perspective, is how the HSC is now playing a role in the, in the construction sector, which will have direct implications on the fire safety industry. So FireX will provide the health and safety practitioners with a, a direct opportunity for them to, to better understand the direction of travel of the life safety sector, the challenges and the solutions. And we've seen from our online webinars and stuff that the um, health and safety audience is strongly represented. So there's an indicator, we've got some clues there that they're interested in what we do as an organisation. So FireX really becomes a, a sort of real-time 3D version of this. Yeah. So it's a place where they can come and meet major players face-to-face and ask the searching questions. Mm. In addition, you know, FireX is a, it's a unique chance for them to meet all the experts in one place under one roof for three days. And the conversation is always just about life safety and fire prevention. So just across the boulevard from Safety and Health Expo, which is, you know, their home show, yeah. is FireX. So, you know, we really encourage them to come into FireX and, and participate in what's going on. And we want to make sure they're fully aware of the seminars that are taking place mm-hmm. that are, are of interest and also the networking functions, yeah. exhibitors they might want to see. So, you know, hopefully it gives them a, a richness and a compliment to what they're doing at Safety and Health Expo. So finally, what are you most looking forward to seeing at FireX International 2022? It's really just being back at Excel. You know, we love seeing the boulevard for eight o'clock in the morning because people are planning to come into the shows when they're at 10 o'clock. We love to see the bars and restaurants full in the evenings, you know, rocking away with people in them. You know, we see the shows as 24-7 gatherings of the tribes of like-minded professionals, really. So we're really looking forward to welcoming 
everyone back from the 17th of May because, you know, it really has been far too long. Find out more about FireX International, including the seminar programme and register for your ticket by visiting www.firex.co.uk. For more on FireX International's third-party approval pledge and regular fire news and information, visit ifsetglobal.com. You can find a link to both that story and the FireX event site in the episode description. Registration for Safety and Health Expo and FireX International taking place from the 17th to the 19th of May 2022 at XL London is now open. Your free ticket allows you access to both events, as well as Facility Show, Intelligent Buildings Europe and IFSEC International. To find out more about each show and to book your place, click on the link in the episode description. I'd like to thank Anna, Chris, Gary and Jerry for their time in putting this episode together and to you for joining us. If you are new to the Safety and Health podcast, please do go back and check out our previous episodes. Last time out, we were joined by Matt Bertels, Principal Ergonomics Consultant at HSE's Science and Research Centre, who discussed the different approaches to managing risks associated with musculoskeletal disorders. You can find the link to the podcast hub where all the episodes are hosted in the episode description. If you like what you hear, you can follow the episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. And we also are available on your smart speaker. Simply ask to play the Safety and Health podcast. We'd be really grateful if you could rate us and comment on your chosen platform as that will really help us to get the shows out to a wider audience. Please do stay tuned to shponline.co.uk for the very latest in health and safety news, where you can also sign up to our daily e-newsletter. Thank you very much for listening and see you on the next episode. Music.